be, we are going to some new places tonight. Amen. Job 1 and 1. Job 1 and 1, and we're only going to read this just to clarify God's opinion. And when I say God's opinion, do we believe this is God's word? We believe that this is the best we have. We know he said and done a lot of other things that are that were never recorded, according to John. He said there were so many miracles, there's no way that it could all be recorded. Uh, so we, we, we've been given enough to make it. And so that's what we trust in. And so I want to just share with you uh, God's opinion, the word of God on a man by the name of Job. And this is the opinion. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect. Let that sink in a minute. That man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. I want to make sure that we were in the right vein with this particular biblical character and this man. Perfect means perfect as we understand it. Uh, I read that, made sure of that in the Hebrew language. This perfect meant perfect. When he feared God, it meant he loved God, leaned on God, done the things that mattered to God. And he turned away from all evil. Never entertained evil. Now, besides the Lord Jesus Christ himself, there's never been a claim of another human being that could fit that description. And still yet, this perfect man had an identity crisis. He did. I'm going to share it with you in just a few moments. I want to preach and teach to you for just a few moments. My identity is dot, dot, dot. We live in a world where that matters. Whether you like it or not, that matters. And I want us to pray because some of, woo. Hmm. Some of us are going to leave here tonight with a different opinion of ourselves. And it's past time. Lord, let us hear, let us understand, and let us respond to what your spirit, to what your word is saying to us. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for the people. Thank you for those that are here tonight, for our youth group, for our children's ministry, for everything that's happening tonight. But I ask you right now, those that are watching, those that will be watching or listening later, let this word find a home, find good lodging, a healthy place. A seed be planted, that fruit could be produced from this thought and this message tonight. We trust that, we believe it, and we declare it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. If you believe that, say amen with me. 
And let's love him one more time before we're seated. Come on. we live in is in an identity crisis. Anybody believe that? Uh, there, there's no doubt about it. I'm going to share some facts with you and some things with you tonight that will maybe shock you. Maybe it's things you already know, but I want to share it with you. I want to preach to you for a little bit. My identity is... The identity crisis we live in, some would immediately try to carry that thought to some lifestyle or some decision or some mistake when, in fact, uh, it may have been perverted along the way, changed along the way, but the world as we know it, the goal has been for a long, long time for the enemy of our soul, for the enemy of our family for the enemy of our well-being to cause us to wonder who and whose we really are. And crazy enough, we have the ability to determine that. All right, this is going to get good. I sat and listened, and, and, and I confess, I, for a long number of years, have have been a news junkie and started getting uh, a little uh, convicted long before this past election cycle of so much negative allowed to come into my heart. And uh, I, I, at a time, would, would and could, if I was driving a 10-hour drive, I could take in eight hours of news. No problem. Uh, recently made a 13 and a half, 14-hour drive. I could easily have 10 hours of news. I could listen to the cycle or I could watch the cycle if I was in a place where it was showing or if it was on my computer or on my phone. I could watch uh, a cycle of news and then go to another outlet or another source to see how the story was spun, to see if it, how, how real it, it was, what, you know, what the middle is. There, there's, there's several stories, and somewhere in the middle is usually the truth. And it's just that simple. And so, but the Lord really worked on me, and, and, I'll, and I'll give him all the credit. Some of it was... Rusty just got tired of being infiltrated with negative, with just junk, infused. And I don't want to be ignorant to what's going on in the world, so I still want a healthy dose, but I don't want it to be what I hear all the time. I'd, I'd rather listen to a smiling preacher. And so I did do something today. I sat, it's been one year since President Biden was inaugurated today. Been a year, and I, and I know there's all kind of stuff. You, I mean, it doesn't matter whether, we, whether you like it or not, voted for him or not. He is the president of the United States as we sit here. And so I know there's all kinds of people and all kinds of ideas, and I totally understand, and, and, and I love you. Here's the fact. 
Nobody can say, well, they disrespect an office when this one's in and not when that one's in. We're going to have to hold the line, and we respect the office. And I have for a while neglected to really pay attention for the last year to what's going on except just news clips and what have you. Well, I heard today that the president was going to be speaking about his first year in office. And uh, he was going to be talking about the, the agenda and the things that he uh, has accomplished and his failures. And, and this just triggered something in me. And I said, okay, I want to I hear. I want to see what this guy has to say about this last year. He, he ran on uh, unifying the nation. And he ran on, and, and I remember all those things very clearly. And, and his party was going to be the party to glue things back together and, and all that. And so I wanted to see what... He said, so I just sat there, and, and, and I didn't hear it. I listened. I, I wanted to listen beyond Republican. I wanted to listen beyond Democrat, beyond Independent, beyond politics. I wanted to hear a human being speak. And so I just opened my mind up, and I said, okay, I want to just hear what is said. And it wasn't very long into this thing. Did anybody else hear it or see it today? If not, you should go listen to some of this, and especially this portion I'm going to share with you tonight. And, and it's not a political, really. It's not a political bias. He, he, he started talking about something that, that really triggered into my thoughts and my message for the day. And so I incorporated it here. And a reporter asked President Biden today, in live news conference, one year after his swearing in, they said, Mr. President, uh, do you believe that the United States will go to war with Russia? Do you believe we will have a, uh, a conflict with Russia? And do you believe they will invade Ukraine? And uh, he said very quickly and very openly, he said, I believe... President Putin will make a move on Ukraine. And he then said, uh, and what comes out of that will be terrible. It'll be, uh, it'll be a, a terrible thing. And he began to share some things, and then he made the statement that he, shouldn't, he probably shouldn't say any more than that. And so if you heard it, if you didn't, go listen to at least this portion of it. And uh, he said he did feel like there would be an invasion, and they did feel like it'd be pretty quick, and that they do have 100,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, and it would be similar to what happened in Crimea a few years back, and we would go into war in some type of a way. And so this, this is his statement, and so it's my first time to really listen to a fool. I've heard lots of bits and pieces, but uh, an intentional setting down, listen, want to hear. And so he began to tell what the punishment would be or would not be, and, and that was all okay. I'm listening, I'm thinking, wow, this, you know, this probably, you know, if there's truth to this, if this is not smoke and mirrors, if this is all real if this is really happening just like they say because I don't know anymore it don't matter who's talking I don't know anymore everybody's got an opinion and uh, you, you're usually gonna hear their opinion that's why I wanted to hear it from the man and see and so he went on to say what the punishments would be but all of a sudden during that briefing he made a statement 
that just 100% goes along with this message tonight. And actually, it's, it's a little portion of the cornerstone of, of confirmation, crazy enough. And he said this. He said, Vladimir Putin does not know who he is or who he wants to be. He said he does not know if he wants to align with China or the West or the EU or other powers of the world. Russia and its leader is in an identity crisis. Now, in my opinion, that is a pretty strong statement to make about a president and a world power. I mean, I probably wouldn't have got on national television and said that myself, but then again, I'm not the president. So I'm sure there was uh, some kind of a reason. But with that being said, when you can speak of a nation, and he goes on to say in that interview, he says, the man, there's, there's, there's 24 time zones in the world, and he controls nine of them. But he don't know who he is, don't know what he wants, don't know what he's trying to accomplish. He, he's, 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 he's in a crisis. The people are in a crisis. They, they don't know if they want to trade. They don't know if they want to, you know, and, and on and on. There's so much stuff being said that, that I don't need to say now. But it's, it's a bold statement. But I want to tell you something. It's accurate. But it doesn't only apply to the frozen tundras of Russia. Our entire world is in an identity crisis. And what concerns me and what bothers me and what I want to see personally that, that it is defeated and destroyed somehow, it will be at some point once and for all, but it needs to happen this side of Jordan, so to speak, this side of Canaan land, that crisis is infiltrating the church. And the saints of the living God are starting to try to figure out who they are. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very clear that... The world is in an identity crisis. If we didn't know that, then we're way behind. I mean, that's been going on for a long time. But in this moment in history, it can be said of a president, it can be said of a nation that covers nine time zones of the world. And I believe in this very moment, that was probably spoken on the world stage and maybe even recognized by the President of the United States for the first time ever, there is an identity crisis in our world. And it doesn't just apply to one president. It applies to them all. Every country, every nation, every nation state, they're all jockeying to figure out where do we fit in this end time scheme. Because when you read the book of Revelation, you don't have to have a whole lot of common sense and very little biblical sense to see that things are lining up like never before. Somebody said, well, they said that during World War II. No. We've never been where we're at today. They said that during Vietnam. They said it during World War I. They said it during the Korean War. They, they said it during the Cuban Missile Crisis. They said it just 90 miles off. No, 
Folks, this is not about our little country and our little bubble and our little 330 to 60 million people. This is a world issue for the first time ever. Every nation is rewriting its laws. It's deciding right now how they're going to stand on the major issues. Not just issues of politics, but issues of time and eternity. What they will allow, what they won't allow. It's white or it's black politically. It's white or it's black sinfully, correctly. It's only one or the other. Nobody is reaching for middle ground. I heard a lot of things about, well, I didn't even try to accommodate those people because the initial by their name is not the same as mine. So I'm trying to get it done this way. And so it allowed me to know that we are in such an identity crisis Everybody has to have some kind of a column. We're Native American or African American or Latinx. That as we learn, that's the new political term and, 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 and Latinos don't, even, don't like that at all. But it's what got adopted in our school systems trying to be politically correct. This is what needs to be said. But when it comes down to it, wouldn't it be so much better if we were all just American? I mean, I'm a mutt. What all would you have to put in front of my name? And then you take me and, and, and my wife, our children, that had to have 11 acronyms to. And so it brings us to a point in time where there's a question on a job application. How do you identify? And you know, I don't have to have a certain skin color or speak a certain language or be from a certain place anymore to identify as anything I want to identify as. I saw a t-shirt in Colorado the other day, and it was a, a picture of a pistol. It was just a, it was a pistol. And, of course, you know, I, I, like, I like guns. I like to shoot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a target guy, and I don't like to really kill anything, but I would if I was hungry. That's, that's about it, but... That shirt caught my mind, and so I read it, and it said, I identify as a cordless hole puncher. And it's a joke, and we know where the joke comes from and where the joke originates, but we got to understand something. This ain't no joke. We live in a world that is so mixed up with their identity. I'm right, I'm wrong, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I'm this American, or I'm that American, or I'm those, this, this, and them, and, and on and on and on. When it comes down to the best way to destroy anything is divide it. Us against them, them against us, those against all of us, us against all of them. Well, the fact is, if any people can get united. Even the Lord himself said, if I allow these people to keep building this tower united with one voice and one language and one people, they'll accomplish getting this tower to the heavens. And I can't allow that to happen. So we have what's called the Tower of Babel. And people began to babble. He messed up and disrupted their language system and caused the continents and the world to separate and people to be over here and over there. And they begin to look different and, and talk different and act different and have different cultures and eat different foods according to what was on that land. And the Lord divided the world because he said, with too much unity, 
they will be gods. Y'all all right? And people in 2022 are trying to figure out who they are and what they are. But I can tell you this. This man, Job, I can tell you what he was. He was perfect. He was upright. He feared the Lord, and he rejected all evil. That's strong. But listen what it says when you get to chapter 3 of his life. Verses 25 and 26. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Now, this would lead us to think or would lead us to believe that the reason this happened and we all, we know the conversation between the Lord and, and Satan, and, and we understand that. Have you considered Job and, and all of those things? But before that, there was a fear that plagued the mind of Job. And he was always in fear of all of his children dying. He was in fear of getting sick. He was in fear of losing all of his cattle of his pastures and his barns burning and being taken over. Fear ruled him to a point that a perfect man finally came out and declared, well, the things I've really been thinking and pondering on the most is exactly now what has happened. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me take you to the book of wisdom. When the Bible takes us to the beginning of God as we know the beginning of God, the first reports of God, nobody knows the beginning, but the first reports of Him, so the beginning of God to man, the one thing we know is the spirit that He had before anything, the spirit that dwelt with God was a spirit of wisdom. Everything he done, he done with wisdom. From the first report we have of him, it was wise. It was the right thing to do. God always does right. And from the book of wisdom, which is Proverbs in our Bible, 23 and 7, there are 30 things listed. They're almost commandments or, or they're warnings. Uh, they're, they're trumpets sounding. But in verse 7 it says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, I want to couple that with Job 3 and 25 and 26 for a few moments and say this. The possibilities and the probabilities, and then I'm going to prove it to you a little later, is what we think of ourselves and what's in our heart concerning ourselves is what we will become. We got to learn to start thinking beyond the problems that we're facing. We got to learn to start thinking beyond our checking account, thinking beyond our health reports. We got to start thinking beyond current affairs and current news cycles. And we have got a huge part in determining who we really are. Oh, we'll fix a preacher right here. Here we go. 
Watch this. The spirit of fear has flipped the world. It has flipped, and it's not just one thing. It's, just, it's not just a sickness. There's so many other things people are talking about, food shortages. People are talking about starvation. There are suicide packs like never before in the history of the United States where records and, and statistics are kept, and there's things that are going on, people just saying, I'm not going to try to stay around that long. I'm not going to live that through. I'm not going to watch these things come. And, and people running out and, and buying things uh, in fear and sometimes it ends up being the smart thing to do, but still it's fear-driven. What is it a fear of? It's a fear of when I need it, it won't be there. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, and we'll, we'll go the right way and say having too much paper towel. Nothing wrong with having an extra case of water or tin, but here's what I want to tell you. We've got to decide if we're going to live our lives Trust in God or on what we can do. And that puts us in an identity crisis. Oh, wow. In 2019, listen to this. In 2019, 8.6% of all adults in the United States reported dealing with anxiety. 8.6%. Let's just round it to 10%. And out of every 10 people... In a hundred, those ten, ten out of every hundred are dealing with anxiety and seek medical attention. Who knows what the numbers really are? They, they seek it. Ten out of a hundred, 8.6%. All right, so eight and a half people out of every hundred at the end of 2019. By the end of 2021, 31.1%. Folks, when we start talking about the end times and footmen and horsemen and the number is just a couple points, three points from being quadrupled, people having to go get anxiety medications and or therapy for anxiety, we know the world is rushing into some problems. 31.1% of Americans by the end of 2021 sought out medical attention for anxiety. That's, that's, that's incredible. That's one of every three. One of every three people in this room, if we were counting, is dealing with or has dealt with anxiety. So hold on to that. From ages 5 to 12, listen, this is incredible. 6.8% of our babies... From, from 6 to 12 years, from 5 to 12 years old, rather, is the, is the right number. From 5 to 12, almost 7 of every 100 children have to go to the doctor and get medications and or a therapy from fear. That's unreal. But anxiety in teenagers from 13 to 19 rose higher than all other categories to jump 20% from 13% to 33.2%. Our babies from 13 to 19 years old have had to go to a doctor, a hospital, 
or talk to someone about their current state of anxiety. Why? It's because of things going on in the world. It's because of things happening. There are reports of children not being able to eat, not being able to sleep right here in good old USA. Let me tell you why. Because the enemy has sought it out and has made sure that everything we talk about is bad. If we spend more time talking about how many people are sick than how many are well, what are we teaching our babies? If we shut down every time because, well, we could, but, you know, what about that? We, we, we could have revival, but we, we could have a good crowd, but we could have an accomplishment, but we are setting the identity for our children. I don't want our children 10 or 15 years from now having children of their own and raising them in the mindset that there's a whole lot more worse in the world than there is good. We've got to help our children and help one another in this identity crisis, and we've got to determine who we are, where we're going, what we're going to accomplish. Every time somebody gets sick, we can't declare death over them. Every time somebody sneezes, they don't have COVID. What happened to hay fever? What happened to the cedar from the Rocky Mountains? What happened to good old sinuses? Every time somebody gets a runny nose, they're not going on a ventilator. Come on, I'm just fixing to preach to you right now. We've got to get over some things. Is it real? It's real. Is world war at the door? It's real. Are there problems? It's real. But we've got to understand that my identity is I am a child of the most high God. And no matter what he does with me, it's going to be okay. Come on. I'm going to tell you something. It's not right for people to stay in a constant fear. It's not right for people to need a Kleenex all the time. It's not right for people to always be down and out. What that is is we are in an identity crisis. We got to curse fear. We got to curse anxiety and understand that either we believe in God or we don't. Either we believe his word or we don't. We either believe there really is a better place or we don't. You gotta decide. I've gotta decide what my identity is. Do I pastor a church that's had its best day, or do I pastor a church that's coming to the best day in the near future? That's my decision to make in my mind how I want to see it. I choose to believe this is the best days that we're heading into. I choose to believe we got the largest crowds coming. I choose to believe the best miracles are still on the way. I choose to believe we're still going to baptize more than ever before. In the middle of all this, absolutely. Somebody's got to decide tonight and understand and admit that you're in a crisis. You're going to have to decide. If God is for me, who? And you notice there was never an answer given. Let me tell you why, because there's not one. The only thing that can be against me is me. When I go to bed at night, if I go to bed with blood and guts and, and the news ringing in my head and, and all I can think about is all the Christians are going to be punished and thrown in some concentration camp, I'm already in prison. I'm already locked up. 
Well, they're not going to let us serve God long, brother. It's already heading that way. I want to tell you something. We got to get a different view of who God is. We got to get a different I feel like I feel him in this place. We got to get a different view of what our future holds. Well, even the Bible said that he pities those that give suck to the to the babies. So even the yes, it says that, but it also says that for ten thousand generations and a thousand generations clear, if we'll live for God and do our part and not be the link that breaks the truth, we'll have an identity of one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one home and glory. Some people are so shaky in fear and doubt. How can you worship God? Because fear and faith cannot, according to Scripture, call me a liar, you're speaking against the word on this one. It cannot live in the same temple. I'm not talking about being cautious. I'm not talking about throwing caution to the wind. But there's something deeper than that. It's deeper than how we look and where we go and how we dress and how we protect ourselves and if you wear a seatbelt or not or if you put a helmet on or not. It's bigger than that. It's a deep spiritual thing that has taken root in our society and people don't know who they are. You can tell it by they don't know what they believe. If you don't know what you believe, how can you determine who you are? If you don't know who you are, you'll be what the world says you are. The enemy's doing a fine job of convincing us who we are. Come on. Here's what some of us are. We're sick. Sick. I'm just sick. I'm just sick. It's the way it is. It's always going to be like this. Just waiting to die. Can I tell you something? If you're following even the perfect man's steps, get ready. I'm preaching. I'm preaching. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor their children or their babies or their grandbabies begging for bread. Starvation may come, but for those who are ready, I still believe it's a God that can drop what is it from heaven called manna. He can still cause a pillar of fire and a cloud in day. He can still give us a clear path and clear understanding of where I'm supposed to be. I refuse to let the world define me as an Egyptian slave when I'm a freed man of God. Some folks said I'm an ex-alcoholic and it's good to know that and use it when it's teaching time. But don't live on that premise. You're not an ex-alcoholic. You're a saint of God on your way to heaven. Don't let the world define you. Don't let fear define you. Don't let last year define you. I'm sick. I'm sick. Well, you know, it's one thing to state the obvious. It's another thing to embrace it and declare it. I, I, don't, I don't know that people that declare they're sick all the time and it's just the way it's going to be, I don't think they can be healed. I really don't. I think the only thing that destroys the, the work of God is our own lack of faith in Him. 
There's people that have faith that will go because it's appointed unto man wants to die. And there's people, it rains on the just and the unjust. Somebody will hit your car. Your house may burn down. You may be in an incident or accident. You may fall out of a truck and hit your head. It may happen. You may have a knot and a headache a week later. It may happen to you. But if you live that way, you never make the trip. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't let our kids ride bicycles. Do you know how many kids got hurt on bicycles last year? Oh, my goodness. No, our pediatrician said get them a motorcycle, a two-stroke at that before a trampoline. I've heard it all. The last thing you want is a swimming pool. Folks, we all know somebody that drowned. We all know some child that was killed on an ATV or an accident. We all know some child and some adult, including me, that got bones broke on a trampoline. We all know that. But do we quit living? Did you quit? Did you start walking to work because of all the people that got killed this morning in car accidents? No. You're not going to do it. You me tell you why? Because your faith in that car is greater than your fear of trying to make it happen on foot. We have got to understand who we are, who we belong to, what our destiny is. Come on. Let me preach about your destiny. Your destiny is going to be what you create. It's going to be what you speak. It's going to be what you declare. It's going to be how much faith you have. That's how it's going to work out. You know, there's only a couple of young, uh, not, they're not, none of them young, but only a couple families in here that have young marriages. Maybe, depending on how much you want to call young, maybe three in the room. And there's something I notice. And, and I'm going to just pick on us guys. Sometimes we're, we're slobs. You know, women get a lot of bashing. They do. So tonight it's our night. I'll tell you what I notice sometimes, and I don't see it so much in, so much in, in, in these young marriages, but, but I do see it. You ain't never looked sharper than when you was chasing that woman. You had your hair combed. You had your teeth brushed. You had your shirt ironed. You'd do whatever it took to get that prize. And you got her. And you look like a comfortable commercial. What happened? Come on, let me preach here a little bit. I see it, you see it, sometimes we smell it. Now, y'all three that just got married, y'all just let that go. But I'm going to just tell you something. Almost 30 years later, there's something I know about my wife. She wants me to have my hair combed. She wants me to have a clean all my clothes on. And she wants me to have my all my teeth brushed. And she wants me to be proud and open the door for her every now and then and to strut like I still got a prize because it took a while to get that prize. And now that I got it, I'm proud to have it and I want to be proud to keep it. Some of us, see, we can connect to that. But now let me tell you about the church. You didn't have no pride when you came to the altar. Whoa, I just felt something hit me. You didn't have no pride when you repented. You didn't have no pride when you threw your addictions down. When you thought you were dying and on your way to hell, you didn't have a lick of pride. 
You dressed up and got ready for the occasion, and you said, come heat or high water. I'll be at church come Sunday. I don't care. I'll have my hands raised. I'll be ready because I'm seeking a miracle. You get the miracle and act like you forgot what you were here for. You know what that is? It's an identity crisis. You knew who you were when you were searching, but now that you've been born again, you forgot who you were born to. Hey, there's one I missed right there. Don't, don't, don't wake up in the morning and act like she ain't there. You get up in the morning, if you're going to wear that thing, keep it looking nice and trim. They call it flour dripping nowadays. Say he was dripping. You know, that's that's looking all cool. And hey, get somebody. Get that shirt ironed and get them get them pants. Spend an extra two dollars and go get some creases put in them. Why? I don't care how you look, but she does. But she don't say nothing. That's because she loves you, even when you're ugly. See, love is a wonderful thing, according to. Michael Bolton or somebody said that, but it's a wonderful thing. It'll cover up a lot of stuff. And here's the thing. The Bible said Jesus is love. See, our fears will drag out. He'll still love us. He'll still care for us. But we may end up getting the greatest fears in our life if we don't just say, God, I'm going to do my best, and you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end, and everything in between, and I give you myself. I'm on the altar. I'm a living sacrifice. Have your way. Now, some of y'all ain't going to want to come around me when service is over, and I just need about 10 or 12 minutes, Sister Beckham, and that's fine. But today, when I went, and, and I hope the, the family's watching, today when I went and prayed for Larry, 60-year-old man whose kidneys are closing down and, and he's shutting off, and, and he's got other problems and, and situations that's going on. Had a couple strokes a couple years back, and he's just got some things going on, and without a miracle, it doesn't look like he's going to make it. And, and his wife has known me since I was eight years old, and she called me, and she says, oh, Rusty, or she texts me first she said Rusty would you come pray for Larry it would mean so much to me if you could find time and, and so I found the time I went and met a missionary today and we carried a little life point love to that missionary and, and then I went by the hospital so I've been in a hospital today I've been in intensive care today I had the gloves on. I was all covered up, masked up. I wasn't on a COVID unit, but still went in there like some of you that work in there. You know what it's all about. And I went in there, and the enemy would say, why don't you call them and tell them that you got another emergency call? Because I did. You don't really want to go to the hospital. The hospital's the worst place to be right now, Surely. And something rose up in me, Brother Hathcock, Uncle Carl, that said, wait a minute. That is straight from the pit of hell. That ain't even rusty. It's worse than that. And what you ought to do is you ought to go in there and you ought to walk in that intensive care unit and you ought to declare the name of the Lord over that man and peace over his wife and family and trust that God is covering you. I wore my gloves. I wore my PPE. I wore my mask. I'm covered head to toe. I know how to wash in and wash out. I've done it enough times, but I'm going to tell you something. Fear is not going to cause me to not be a praying pastor. 
Well, what if you get sick? But what if I don't? What if that man raises up? I'm going to mess around and get excited here. What if something good happens when two or three get together? What if God protects you? My identity is not sick. Somebody declare that with me. Now just go with me. My identity is not poor. My identity is not unnoticed. My identity is not insignificant. My identity is not on death's bed. My identity is not all washed up. My identity is not finished. My identity is not a has-been. But my identity is healed. My identity is whole. My identity is a fresh renewing in the Holy Ghost. My identity is a new life in Christ. My identity is born again, not of the things of this flesh, but of the things of my Creator. Anybody that's got it, I dare you to stand up and say, my identity is born again. My identity's new. My identity... Because Phillips Craig and Dean wrote in the late 80s or the early 90s, he sung this song. The blood said, I am whole. I am healed. All is forgiven. I've been set free. So I let the blood speak for me. Woo. If the fears of a perfect man can justify the condition to come to his house, How much more can the fears of you and I who have failed so many times? I'm done, Sister Beckham. Hayden, I'm going to preach to you. Can I? You and your wife, Olivia, can have anything you want in this life. If you want it bad enough, you can own businesses, you can drive nice cars if that's what you want to do, you can live in nice homes, you can have motorcycles, boats, jet skis, snows, whatever you want to do. It's the will of God, according to Scripture, for you to prosper. You don't let anybody ever tell you that you're less than. I don't care who your mama is. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care who led you, who taught you, who brought you here, how you ended up here, what your past failures are. You can be anything you want to be. Come on. You can have what you want to have. You can accomplish what you want to accomplish. Don't sit back, Jarek and Miranda, and say everybody else can have it, but we'll never have it. That's a lie from the pits of hell. You determine your identity. You invest and do right by God and watch what happens. Sure as I preach that, there'd be some old rascal in here that said, well, we tried it and it didn't work. We can see now why it didn't. Because tried is a past tense word, and you gave up on God before God gave up on you. Woo! Well,
Well, I'm only 15. Do you know, I looked at a report the other day, and I was almost like the old king that was almost convinced to do right. I looked at a deal the other day. If I'd have done what I felt instead of listening to the negative people that I discussed it with, I'd be worth about $150 million today. I do too. But there were too many negative voices going, because you know what I would have done? I'd invested in Bitcoin and cashed out yesterday. That's an e-currency. It's a currency that's just floating around in the air. It will probably at some point, something similar, become a one-world currency. Somebody said, well, that scares me to death. Well, you know, you can be scared to death or scared to life. You know how they raise the dead, don't you? They shock them. <laughs> scared them to life. What happened? Scared me to life. You decide how you want to be scared. I heard my Uncle Tom say one time, he was teaching or preaching or testifying, and if he was testifying, he was preaching. And he said he was never going to be scared to an altar of repentance. He was raising cows at the time. He said, because sure as I'm scared to the altar to repent, when them bulls are scared out of me tomorrow. As a man that, that was talking probably what he knew about himself, he would say or do something that was ungodly if one of them big bulls got after him tomorrow. If fear drove him today, it might drive him away tomorrow. Fear of the Lord's a healthy thing. That's not, oh, he's fixing to cut me up. He's fixing to beat me down and destroy me. No, no, that's God. I recognize your sovereign power and authority. And I want to, whew, mm, I want to be in your will. And I want to be in your way. And I want to be in your perfect plan. Not because you're going to beat me, but because you're going to reward me. Let's stand and I'll close with this. It wouldn't happen in my house because my wife knows very well how to use a weapon. So this wouldn't work. And it may not work in some of your houses, but I've heard it. If I ever call my wife old lady, it's just purely out of fun. I mean, you know, you do what you want to, but I don't do that. I, to me, for, for me in my house, it's disrespectful. But if you want to call her old lady, that's up to you. It's between y'all and the Lord. And, but if I was the kind of a man to do it, and she was the kind of woman to take it, I could get up tomorrow morning and I could say, Hey, old lady, I want two eggs over medium. I want four pieces of toast and four strips of bacon. If it ain't done about 30 minutes, I'll beat you until you can't see. I know better. But I'm just saying, there are relationships. And that's sad. And they go the other way. I know some men whose wives just beat the tar out of them. I mean, it, it, it happens. But it's usually the other way around. I'm going to tell you something. That woman might get up. And make you them eggs and that toast and that bacon. It'll be out of fear. But you'll get your breakfast. 
And if you caught on fire, she wouldn't look for a cup of water to put you out. But you can have that same breakfast by embracing that woman and telling her how beautiful she is and how much you love her and you would love to enjoy a breakfast with her. And it'll taste better. And it'll be better. And when breakfast is over, you might get a kiss. So you decide how you're going to have breakfast. You're going to have it with love and a hug and a kiss and compassion. So you determine what your identity is right now. If there's a song that's ready to be sung, if there's not, I understand. If there's a song, come on. But here's my question, and I close totally with this. Is your identity in fear? Is your identity in pain? Is your identity in failure? Is your marriage falling apart? Or you just hit a roadblock in the road and you're fixing to build it up? You decide. So I'm going to invite some people right now. You're the president of your heart. You're the president of your thoughts. You're the president of your time zones. You decide. With everything going on in the world, what is my identity going to be? Who will I link up with? Who will I identify with? Who will I connect to? I trust the saints of God are already getting, to, getting ready to move right now to walk to the altar just for about two minutes and say, God, you'll always be my choice. I'll always choose to believe that by your stripes. Now somebody hear me real close right here, right now, as they're getting ready to sing. If God has punched the number and your days are up, you can go kicking, screaming, and accusing, or you can thank Him for the years you've had. So you can ruin now, worry about then, or you can enjoy now and then deal with them when it gets here. You decide. Sing, sing. I wish we had just started declaring our identity right now. I am healed.